0: Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Tuesday, November 30th, 2021. I'm John Podhor, it's the editor of Commentary. As we are entering the last month of 2021, I'm going to be coming to you uh, on occasion uh, to ask you to consider uh, commentary in your end of year giving. Uh, commentary, as our listeners may or may not know, is a nonprofit 501c3 organization that publishes commentary magazine that produces the commentary website and that records the daily podcast and um, doing uh, these three things is not uh, cheap and the subscriptions and advertising revenue that we generate only pay for about half of what we do. So we need assistance, help, and, uh, and support from the people who find commentary of value and of purpose and of meaning. Uh, we produce this podcast, as you know, five days a week, 52 weeks out of the year with a couple of breaks here and there. I know a lot of people have come to rely on it, um, find it a, a sane island in an ocean of madness. Um, and so I would like to ask you very humbly to go to commentary.org slash donate and uh, include us in your annual giving, if you would, uh, fully tax deductible, uh, and we would appreciate it very, very, very much. I will come to you again over the course of December with uh, similar appeals. This is our first, so I'm doing a very soft sell, but the sell will get harder and with me as always executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi Abe. Hi John. Senior writer Christine Rosen. Hi Christine. Hi John. And associate editor Noah Rothman. Hi Noah. Hi John. Um, So Joe Biden yesterday went before the nation to speak sobering and reassuring and leaderly words about the new uh, omicron variant and abe you have some thoughts about how that appearance and that speech went
1: yeah well so you know he got out there and he said look i i this is cause for concern but not for panic uh we're we're um we've 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 closed off uh flights from some nations because they aren't yet vaccinated and we have to let the vaccinations catch up to the new strain um was asked if uh, lockdowns are on the table. He said no, and then he said not for now. Um, I think it was all sort of fine in its content, um, but in a more general impressionistic way, I was just struck by how uh, incidental he now seems to events. Um, this is in part, I think, because of uh, he doesn't his, administ- his administration doesn't speak with one voice, so all the messaging is very foggy. And we don't quite know. But it also has a lot to do with his personal style, uh, uh, such as it is. Um, uh, he seems uh, not very on top of things. Um, he's not clear. He mispronounced the name of the variant, calling it Omnicron, uh, which is, you know, uh, in itself. I think that's and, the name of the company that made RoboCop. Yeah, could be. Um, it is It is a, it's a
0: very infectious... It's please. a very infectious. Oh, mistake. Please. oh I, gee, I'm sorry, Noah. <laughs> Biden should have said Omnicorn. Yeah, but props for Noah. He was right out of the I game. Know you were that. right there. That's very impressive. Peter Weller Stan over here. <laughs> <laughs> Peter um, Weller. There's a trivia question. Who is Peter Weller? Go ahead. History <laughs>
2: professor He um, is
0: now. That's right. My God, he is. Yeah, I think yeah, he, an accomplished yeah.
2: history professor who does yeah, documentaries. He,
0: yeah. He quit. Uh, he quit uh, acting.
1: Um, anyway, go ahead. Anyway, the, the thing about that mispronunciation <clears throat> is that it in itself is so um, uh, catching because then Fauci said it. And then later in the day, I said it. So now <laughs> so now he will have turned this into Omnicron.
0: Exactly. But Omnicrom uh, is
1: now that's now Conan the Barbarian. Let's go with that. God, Why not? Omnicrom. I, I, there's there's a new there's a new variant.
2: Shouldn't gloss over that moment because it's so jarring. It's not like he doesn't know what he's doing, but it was it was it, it displayed in that moment why he's such a perfectly calibrated bureaucratic ladder climber. That the worst thing you could ever do is contradict the boss's struggles with the English language, which is why he was where he was under Trump and why he's where he is now under
3: Biden. Can we just also note that Fauci in an interview recently compared him, said he is science. I mean, there is, speaking of dystopian science fiction, like he, he was asked about why he's getting criticism from conservative uh, political folks. And he said, it's because I represent science. I, I am science. <laughs> just, yeah. Oh, no, you're not, you're not science. You're a bureaucrat who has a particular set of skills and a particular job to do.
2: Look, <laughs> the last 48 hours have demonstrated something that I, have been relying upon as a, a corrective to what I think was the undue hysterics that overtook the week, the 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 world over the weekend, which is that the there is a hunger on the public health side and to a lesser extent the scientific pharmaceutical side for maximum overdrive panic whenever we get a new development when it comes to this pandemic, and the political circumstances will not allow it. The political circumstances are not favorable towards maximum mitigation measures a la 2020 and even early 2021 the the will does not exist and you can count on it because joe biden says hey no more lockdowns no more shutdowns for now sure but no mask up in public okay if you live in a place that's already masking up in public yeah you'll see that are you going to see new mask mandates in florida Nope, you will not Um, The status quo pertains for now and is moving towards less mitigation measures and accepting this as an endemic seasonal threat. Okay, let's not even talk about mitigation measures. So, you know, there was this um, uh,
0: declaration that that uh, federal employees had to be uh, vaccinated or they would be laid off. Essentially, they would be suspended without pay. And that mysteriously got lifted that 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 directive got lifted uh, till after the holidays. Um, why, uh, I don't know, could it be the public sector unions, uh, on, on which the Democrats, um, depend so, so completely, um, uh, Nicole Gelinas had an interesting observation yesterday in the New York post about mitigation measures in which she points out that telling people in stadiums that they need to wear masks while not mandating, uh, Say vaccination checks at airports. Uh, we are now in we're now in a realm or an area in which um, uh, everybody who can lobby for a special exception and has some reason to claim a special exception to the rules governing how we should fight the virus kind of gets their exception. Like, you know what they say at the airport one of the reasons that they're not doing, you know, uh, vaccination car checks or it hasn't come up that you should check people's vaccinations at airports because the airlines complain that it will slow down loading on planes. Well, gee, so put more people on to load like that is not that's actually not a reasonable objection to say that, you know, it's it slows that makes the air the traveling experience more. More unpleasant. Well, you know, so does taking off your shoes, which since Richard Reed in 2002 has been an entirely unnecessary piece of security theater. It's now almost two decades since somebody had the idea of trying to put a bomb in his shoe. When is that going to stop? But we don't oh, but at least that.
2: we know that planes are a target for for terrorists. No, but we don't have is- a lot of evidence that planes are a vector of mass transmission of covid.
0: No, but if anything is a vector for mass transmission of COVID, it is a closed area in which there are hundreds of people sitting together not, in not a closed airplanes, area. Though.
2: We We know for now over two years worth of study that airplanes are relatively safe when it comes to transmission because of their extensive HEPA filtering.
0: Right. Well, so then once again, we have an interesting situation in which nothing is a vector of transmission except life. You know, that's, of course... Where, where all of this starts coming, coming down to, which is that all the mitigation measures that are taken, I think this is the, the larger point that Abe has been sort of developing over the last 18 months, which is that um, people, communities, worlds are gonna dance with COVID, whether they want to or not. They can take the most extreme uh, measures to shut the nation down from COVID. They can, they can uh, let it go. They cannot let it go at least in the United States, and I think now there's sort of evidence, this is now even true in Australia, where somehow the the Omicron uh, uh, variant has now present in Australia, a place that you know no one can get into or get out of pretty much, suggests that there's no getting away from it. Uh, and we have the mitigation measures that we have in hand, are one is in hand, that is vaccination, and the other is going to be these... Um, uh, pills, these these uh, viral treatments that are supposedly going to come online around January. So we actually have prevention and mitigation measures that are scientifically valid. We are still living with a kind of semi folk magic uh, set of um, totems, juju's, and you know uh, face coverings uh, to ward off the evil spirits but it's like if you are under if you're in the right conditions if you're under the right circumstances or you're just unlucky you're you're gonna get it that may even be true if you've been double vaccinated i mean once again i know somebody the other day got it doesn't know how third after the booster got it is sick as a dog will be fine you know but so my point here is that that let's let's move on to the omicron the, the great irony of, of Omicron or wherever it is, which is that, you know, the head of Moderna gave this interview that's going to crash, that's already started to crash the markets today, saying he just doesn't know how effective the vaccines are going to be uh, against it. The scientists are telling him it looks really bad. It's going to take several months for them to get something that responds to it because it, the, the vaccines attack the spike protein and there are mutations along the spike protein that evade the that evade the vaccine, dead, dead you know, whatever. So um, it's going to be bad, and yet um, every other indication we have is that uh, it may it may be an uncommonly mild form of COVID. Right, Abe, you 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 said like the place
1: that it's most prevalent is yeah. When I when I was reading ab- about the the Moderna statement, uh, I, I read that it is now the dominant strain in South Africa, um, and yet. No one, no one has died from it. And South Africa, by the way, is a is a you know
0: catastrophe when it comes to vaccination rates. It's at I think uh, one shot is at twenty nine percent in the entire country, which I think has eighty five million people in it. Like this is no, it's no joke. Like this is a this is a a, a serious uh, set of circumstances. South Africa, of course, ha- having a, a weird tradition of of hostility toward. Toward uh, uh, treatments of this, there was you know you remember there was a, a president of South Africa who was dead, violently opposed to aid, anyone taking AIDS drugs uh, back in the nineties and the two thousands. Um, so there's a there's a there's a sort of cultural history of w- resistance and 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 reaction to 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 these to these kinds of measures. Uh, but yeah, but if nobody is dying from it, then you have that irony, which is that this is the COVID. That um, uh, will survive, uh, but maybe significantly weaker, and thus will conceivably lead to herd immunity because uh, everybody's going to get it. It's going to evade the vaccine, but it's weak. So you won't get the dominant strains of, you know, we won't get the dangerous strains, you know, uh, of, of COVID. Um, but you might end up getting the weaker strain of COVID, which will then produce natural antibodies in addition to the vaccines, which, uh, which you know focus on, on, on attacking these spike proteins. And then and then we will be through I mean, that's one, you know, maybe that's a Pollyannish scenario, but uh,
1: anyway, well, it's certainly possible. You know, that's we one hopes. I mean, we'll see. You know, like everyone's talking about two weeks, two weeks. We'll we'll have more data on on what what this variant actually does to people uh, in two weeks. So we'll, yeah. we'll see then. Meanwhile, you know, the death rate from the
0: Delta variant is now half what it was three weeks ago or something. I mean, the New York Times number yesterday was 890. We were up around 16, 1700 you know, sometime at the beginning of November. So it does appear that the combination of the, you know, uh, the increased vaccination rate and whatever that Delta has blown through the population and that we are now on the downward spiral, which is one of the reasons why it's so depressingly sad that this has come up right now as it's come
2: up. Which suggests none of this is data dependent. I mean, we talked, uh, the national discourse is so focused on the extent to which the right in particular has is seduced by its information bubbles and believes whatever conspiracy theory comes down the pike and is irrationally opposed to any sort of mitigation measure up to and including vaccines but all the other sundry measures that we've been living with for the last two years but none of that data affects anybody else who's a COVID hawk they just simply disregard it and wait for two weeks, an endless two-week cycle of, of, of for, forever. And it, it, just like Donald Trump, it'll be coming in two weeks, right? Everything's coming in two weeks. Well, it's never going to change in two weeks. Montgomery County in Maryland is the highest vaccination rate in the country. People aren't dying of COVID anymore. It, all, of, all of Manhattan didn't experience any COVID deaths over the last couple of days because of vaccine saturation. Does that do anything to the mitigation standards that you all have to live with? No, it's a lifestyle now.
0: Well, it's not just a lifestyle like the new the the incoming Manhattan borough president, Mark Mark Levine, who is um, who's yet another example, like my aunt Gertie, uh, that uh, that uh, not all not all Jews are smart, um, uh, you know, basically uh, made his reputation over the course of the last two years by being the most uh, ludicrous COVID hysteric on Twitter, and is now once again, Uh, you know, as it's his brand is now a peddling kind of like everybody put on masks, people, you know, seal themselves in saran wrap and, you know, and dip themselves in in honey and like, you know, go live in a cave. I mean, it's, it's, and he's, the Manhattan Borough president is largely a ceremonial position, but, you know, he obviously wants to be mayor someday. And, and yeah, so there is clearly, there is clearly a world in which, Uh, People are going to lean into what's worked for them personally. I don't want to talk about psychologically, but practically, uh, over the last you know 18 months.
3: But it's not just a Manhattan borough president. In a briefing yesterday, Jen Psaki was asked about mask mandates in D.C. We had just had ours lifted. Um, a lot, of, and and it's left up to private businesses whether or not they'll have them. And she hinted, like, well, you know, they said they'll look at the numbers. I mean, for now, it's lifted. There was all of this kind of subtle pressure being brought to bear to continue the theater, which was done earlier when a mass mandate was re uh, in. Uh, put back in uh, for D.C. after it had been lifted. So there is this they love the theater, even though none of them actually participated in in it themselves. Like our mayor wears a mask when she feels like it indoors. When she's at a party, she takes it off. Same with Joe Biden. Joe Biden wears a mask, walking around outside, then pulls it down, coughing to talk to reporters right up in their faces. He was maskless inside in Massachusetts in a, in a place that has mandates. They all know it's theater, but they're insisting everybody play along. And I think that's to Noah's earlier point. I I think it's right i think that's actually spreading into parts of the country that used to kind of go along and feel like oh yes we're all in this together they they're at the end of their patience for some of this i i, I see some of that he, even here in dc which loves to have the masks on and loves to mask shame i see some of that again
0: you know i, I was thinking about biden's uh, uh formulation right which is that um it's a time for concern not a time for panic or something right that you know, it's never a time for panic. When does a leader say, you know what, now is that that's that's something that somebody says in Monsters, Inc., you know, that a pencil says now is the time to panic. Like nobody is supposed to panic about anything. You're not supposed to panic. Um, the people who panic in these circumstances, and has always been the case, as uh, Jim Meggs has written about repeatedly in our, in our pages, in our tech commentary uh, column, um, is elite panic. It's uh, the public... Uh, lives goes on with life. It is the elites that panic, and the the elites then decide that they have to figure out some way, shape, or form to control the bo- the behavior of the public, which uh, will uh, behave in its own prudent, rational manner in in response to in response to threats that they see and that they can understand. Um, the idea that everybody has to mask up in, in Montgomery County, which is 95 percent vaccinated, is elite panic, not, you know, not that is that is an effort to stave off popular panic that actually doesn't happen. And is one of the signature qualities of statism of, you know, sort of American Democratic statism is this is this idea that um, uh, the public left to its own devices is going to behave in reckless and self-destructive fashions. And so we leaders uh, need to scare the crap out of them to get them to, you know, to, to you know, live within the restraints that we require of them. And it's, uh, it's, it's uh, pretty, pretty annoying. Uh, so, you know what else is, is, is annoying is a bad chair very annoying, uncomfortable. So look, it's the holidays. You deserve a gift. How about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every day all year long, a gift that looks as good as it feels, and a gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you'll be at work. I'm talking about giving yourself the gift of an X chair by far the most comfortable and ergonomic chair I've ever used, and Honestly, also probably the coolest looking piece of furniture I own. Not only is X Chair the world's greatest office chair, but with its patented LMX technology, it doubles as a massage chair and can either cool or warm your back. Can your office chair do that? I don't think so. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X Chair. Buy early, buy now, and here's X Chair's holiday gift to you. Save $100 off your X Chair just by purchasing it at xchaircommentary.com. Now that's the letter X, the word chair, commentary.com. X chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchaircommentary.com and save xchaircommentary.com.
3: So uh stuff is coming out. Oh, Cuomo. We should talk about Cuomo, right? Cuomo. We have a whole document dump about, about uh, Cuomo and his brother's uh, assistance in um, perhaps targeting some of the people who were accusing him of har- uh, the governor of harassment and, and of, you know, plotting strategy.
0: So, yeah. So uh, Letitia James continuing her campaign for governor on the back of Andrew Cuomo is now releasing video files of Cuomo's depositions and his aides depositions and uh, depositions of people who say that they sat on his lap and kissed him multiple times on his mouth which he doesn't remember and his aide, Melissa DeRosa, doesn't remember. And then uh, apparently, yeah, it appears that his brother, Chris, was materially involved in efforts essentially to gather oppo research on the people who were were accusing uh, uh, Governor Cuomo of of untoward behavior. Um, And of course, the question now is what, what, what is to become of 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 Chris Cuomo the nightly host on on on
2: CNN anybody have any bets? I don't know they they clearly think they can ride this out based on yesterday um, where Chris Cuomo took to the airways and just did a normal show kind of a jocular program that he normally does and trying to hope this you know disappears and the experience of Jeff Tubin does suggest it is survivable in a way because if it's just personal misconduct as they seem to believe it is then uh, it's the sort of thing that can be forgiven after the pursuit of a certain amount of penance uh, which is not on offer or or being sought actually but this is not personal misconduct it's gross unethical um, professional misconduct of the sort that tarnishes the entire institution and generally the profession to, to which he's uh, he belongs. I don't know how they think he's going to survive this only. I think they hope that the news cycle goes away, but I don't think his brand would ever recover. And there's quite a lot of noise among his allies in the profession in places like the Atlantic and elsewhere calling for his career. Uh, well, it, justifiably.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. This, this is I mean, what decision. he did. We should
2: uh, Christine elaborate on what he did.
3: That yeah, I so mean, he he went on inevitable. air. Yeah, he went on air. I mean, he was he was regularly interviewing his brother while behind the scenes doing all this to help him. He he basically misled the the public on his own show by suggesting he hadn't done that much when it now, as we see from these documents, he has. And he he is doing all this as a journalist. So the difference would be if Jeffrey Toobin was the chief correspondent of onanism for CNN, then he probably would have lost his job for that behavior. But this, you know, this is his what his beat. This is what he covers. And the fact that he is behind the scenes helping a family member who is in political and 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 legal jeopardy over his behavior is the definition of unethical. I mean, I think CNN, the question is whether CNN will bring down the hammer on him and what would be the reaction. It's worth noting, however, that his ratings have not been great lately either. So there is the escape hatch for CNN is to simply say this guy's tarnished, his reputation is tarnished, and he's not a, he's not a big revenue generator for them as it is now.
2: As I understand it, he was using his journalistic contacts as a, anchor on CNN to identify unnamed accusers of his brother for subsequent intimidation. Yes. I mean, you don't have to go to J school to know that that's grossly unethical.
3: You know, again,
1: I'm I'm just, I'm I'm just struck by, as I was uh, in the case of Andrew Cuomo, with the, the um, sort of aspect of comeuppance here in that um, Chris Cuomo, somewhat like his brother, not, not as much so, really enjoyed himself during COVID in a way that I always found deeply unseemly. Uh, He was very into his brother, the superstar. They had all these, you know, these, these, when they, when they they would speak together on the air doing a little comedy shtick that would go viral. And it was so great. It was like, they were the, you know, the, 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 the the twin Kings of the world. And uh, I, I think, I I'm, sure. oh, I'm, I'm' not the you're only one forgetting.
0: you're forgetting the the melodramatic climax when he got COVID he walked up from the basement and he was in his basement. he was in his basement of his Campton's house, you know, quarantined away from his loved ones. and then when he was cleared, they did a they did a cinema reality shot of him emerging up the stairs, like, you know, like, uh, like the like groundhog walking <laughs> down the stairs. I don't know. Um,
3: and it yeah, was all so. it was a farce because he was out riding his bike all around the Hamptons. People were taking pictures of him, posting him on social media.
0: Right. Um, uh, I, I, I personally uh, have a have a very uh, pleasant and um, uh, amused relationship. With Chris Cuomo, I don't. So I I, I don't enjoy seeing his downfall. Maybe in the same way <laughs> that you guys do, but I mean it. This is this is beyond any measure. I mean it, it, it's you know the only defense that he could have is he could go on CNN and give some version of the Checker speech. You know, it's like I'm only
2: guilty of loving my brother. You know, he could, he could have done if that I last night. Guilty, he could have done that last night. Well, I, he can I think still that, do it. He doesn't mm, have to I do think it. that time has passed now. Now now he'd have to explain why they were trying to wait it out, which suggests that the, uh, you know, the, the remorse is not genuine.
0: Well, I'm just saying, well, I mean, I don't know if the remorse is genuine or not. I mean, the other question you have to ask yourself about a guy like Chris Cuomo is. Why is he still on the air? And I I hate to say this I actually don't hate to say it I kind of enjoy saying it and I'm gonna say it because it's the sort of thing that Don Lemon would feel totally free in saying. And it's like what does he have on? I mean he he should have been out at three o'clock yesterday like that 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 would be the normal thing. Oh really? It came up that you were you know calling up you know from your CNN phone looking for 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 dirt on people accusing your brother of sexual harassment um uh, go you know what we're escorting you out of the building (laughs) like that is that 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 would be the normal practice like I, I don't even mean normal I don't even know what to describe that it's like okay Chris you know like you know what you have to do and he would like nod his the lower his head and then he'd open his drawer put his pencils in the pencil you know get his box and walk out because you don't that's it. Like you've been caught. It's like being caught plagiarizing or being caught using your expense account, you know, uh, fraudulently or something like that. You can't do what he did. And then you have to say, well, what does he have on them? Well, who, who's, who's, who is he threatening, you know, to drop a dirty dime on that? He's still there. There were five, he could, this, this could have happened three months ago. This is not news, by the way. It's just like detail. We knew this was happening three months ago around the time that Cuomo resigned, was forced to resign. We knew that Chris was part of his team that was advising him and trying to help him work through this matter while he is the lead anchor of of a major cable news network's evening programming. You know, I mean... uh, That is bizarre. Now, if they want to say he's just like Sean Hannity and he's Sean Hannity and uh, Hannity was giving, you know, Trump advice and all of that. But, you know, if it had come out that Sean Hannity was, of course, not related to Trump, was using his position to, you know, kind of get dirt on Stormy Daniels or something like that, uh, you know, behind the scenes that 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 could have been a real that could have been a real issue even at fox so it's very strange like there is no excuse for him spending another 10 seconds on the air anywhere uh for a very long time and as i say i i like him personally so i i don't i don't have a you know i i i say this you know he's he's a he's a more amusing and more interesting guy than you might you might think uh though he has the with
3: the, the self-aggrandizing
0: characteristics that seem to come with the name
3: Cuomo, nonetheless. Well, where, where are the CNN uh, employees writing the angry letters to the CNN executives demanding his head on a platter as they do in other areas where, you know, certainly with Me Too uh, the accusations and whatnot, there, there tended to be this sort of groundswell among employees that this happens all the time in tech companies. It happens, you know, regularly in other places when the target is someone who's considered not a kind of liberal folk here or a liberal, right. well, uh, beloved liberal figure. Well, When, oh, yeah.
2: when that does happen, <laughs> it is as much an expression of deeply held principle as it is professional, executing professional jealousies. And CNN strikes you as the kind of company I haven't, I don't work there, I don't know. But CNN does strike you as the kind of company where that sort of behavior, calling out the, the lead anchor and trying to defenestrate their 8 p.m. block uh, wouldn't result in, you know, a, a good good consequences <laughs> for you in your career. Exactly. And everybody works for somebody. So, uh, you know, you should always be reluctant to call for jobs because everybody has personal circumstances that mitigate you know, against expressions of principle. I, 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 don't yeah, know. I, I, don't...
3: I mean, I'm opposed to it in general. Like, I yeah. don't like it when they do it to anyone. But it's it's just notable for its lack when it when it's someone who's considered a kind of good, good liberal media folk. Well, I think we should also
1: note that CNN uh, in terms of its I don't forgetting how the forget how the company's structure but in terms of its brand now has become quite obsessed with privilege uh, in, including on Chris Cuomo's show uh, they go on a very good deal about who gets away with what because of of connections and accidents of birth uh, on that station so um, I think it's I think it would be uh, not lost on the the, the viewership that uh, this is a case of um, extraordinary hypocrisy if he if he just flies if he if he he just skates on this
0: I I don't want to I don't I don't want to go off uh, this that 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 quickly I mean um, what we're talking about here is Chris Cuomo using CNN and his credentials at CNN I don't know what it means to use his journalistic connections but let's just say whatever that is to get dirt on women accusing someone of sexual harassment so two hours before he is on Aaron Burnett is on where is Erin Burnett? Like, is that okay with her? That's fine conduct. She wants, she wants her colleague that she shares primetime with to be using CNN's mantle to try to destroy people who are, you know, making accusations of sexual harassment against her colleague. Her silence is going to speak volumes. I'm not accusing her of anything uh, whatsoever. I'm just saying, um, you know, that's what everybody look uh, Ro- roger ailes was brought down by three women at fox one of whom had been fired but two of whom weren't and you know like who who went who said i i, I can't tolerate this be-. you know now that this has become public and now that it's even a little safe for me to do this without you know having my entire life destroyed you know this is not this is not acceptable behavior so um you know, yeah, everybody, everybody's reputation is on the line here when something like this happens. And I want to, CNN is in a moment of transition, right? Time Warner, there's been a merger with uh, Discovery Networks. Discovery is essentially taking over Time Warner. And the head of Discovery, David Zaslav, uh, who is the, you know, by, by some measures, the most successful entertainment executive of the last uh, 15 years, Uh, Zaslav gave an interview to somebody in which he said he wants CNN to move away from this weird, you know, this weird admixture of opinion and journalism and just go back to straight reporting. I took that as an interesting blow in an interesting way because Zaslav's networks, that's like Discovery, HGTV, all of that, those are red state channels, those those networks particularly um you know hgtv those are shows in which christian homeschoolers show you how to remodel your kitchen um and uh and 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 stuff like that like that is that is a sub a huge subtext uh you get your forever home they it's not that they're you know they're not like ideologically culture warrior right wing there are gay couples there's this there's that it's not that but but it is a network that you know celebrates like home and family and you know you need a place to play sports with the kids and you need this and you need that and it is very unwoke and it is very much very knowingly that everything that happens on that channel happens as a result of intense research And they know who their audience is and Zaslav has made himself a fortune and built this incredible thing that is actually swallowing a company much larger than his um, because he knows how to talk to people that CNN has completely decided it does not want to talk to and he may be looking at CNN and thinking that there is a path that is not the Fox path and is not the MSNBC path, and is not this weird CNN path of pretending not to be MSNBC while being MSNBC that they can that they can um, you know they can advance toward. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because one of the reasons that nothing may be happening with Cuomo, I mean, one, the one structural reason that nothing may be happening with Chris Cuomo is that the entire place is going to be overhauled the minute that uh, there are regulatory approvals uh, for this merger of discovery and, and, and Warner. Um, and so, uh, if, if that happened, yeah.
3: I was going to say the real comeuppance for Cuomo would be if he's reassigned to do a spin-off of house hunters where he has to go around and show people <laughs> properties in the Hamptons and like, you know, yeah. talk up the property. Yeah. Oh, this
0: is a, this is a, this is a good basement to come out of, uh, <laughs> when you, <laughs> when you need a camera crew to show you coming out of your basement. Um, Yeah, that that would be a that would be a very good thing. Uh, Hold on. I got to do another ad. I got to find the script. Okay, Uh, here it is. It's Aura. Yes, Aura, (laughs) because the way you use the Internet has changed dramatically, but your security tools have mostly stayed the same. And that's why Aura is something you need, because it provides complete digital security to help you protect your online accounts, finances, devices and more all in one easy to use app. With Aura, you'll get alerted to frauds and threats fast, like if your online accounts or passwords were leaked online, or if someone tries to open a bank account in your name. Between your photos, finances, devices, and connections, your world is more online than ever. Your security systems may be in place for real life, but what about your online life? Think about Aura. It sounds the alarm if your digital presence is at risk. Or is easy to set up. All plans come with a bill, a million dollars. I almost made a huge mistake there. A million dollars in identity theft insurance to help recover your stolen funds and experienced U.S.-based customer support that's got your back. A new type of security service that protects all of your online information and devices with one simple subscription and an easy online dashboard that sends alerts straight to your phone for a limited time or is offering our listeners up to 40% off plans. When you visit aura.com slash commentary, go to aura.com slash commentary to get complete protection savings of up to 40%. That's a u r a.com slash commentary. Um, so I, I want to share with you the fact, I just want to share with you a quote from the New York times. So the big A very big story that is not going to get much attention today is that uh, New York City is opening what they called supervised injection sites for drug users. Manhattan facilities that will provide clean needles, administer medication to reverse overdoses, and provide users with options for addiction treatment. Okay, these are facilities supported by the city, though they are publicly, privately run, that will allow a junkie. To walk in, be handed a needle, and inject heroin into their system. Sometimes this system, which was first conceived about 35 years ago, in part by a guy named Mark Kleiman, was called needle exchange. And it was first introduced as a concept to fight AIDS, because AIDS was being spread right by shared needles. So the idea was in an effort to prevent the spread of AIDS, the just as some places think they should distribute condoms, the government could distribute free needles so that you could always have a clean needle. And then when you, sh- you wouldn't share your needle, you'd have your own needle, and then you wouldn't shoot up with somebody else's needle and get AIDS. Um, uh, I was working at the drug czar's office uh, when it opened in 1989 for William Bennett, when this idea was first being floated kind of seriously in the world of criminal justice and reform. And uh, among the people who uh, viewed it with unbelievable skepticism was none other than Senator Joe Biden, the author of the, the author, the creator of the Drug Star's Office. I remember having a debate myself with Mark Kleiman, the guy who sort of preached this, um, saying, you know, no, we shouldn't be doing this because you're, you're essentially demoralizing or unmoralizing the government's relation to the use of uh, illegal substances. And he was like, that's not the point. The point is that people are dying, eh, blah, 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 blah. Mark, Mark Kleiman, uh, Mark Kleiman passed on a couple of years ago. This has really never been done in the United States. Of course, it is done in Amsterdam and other places. Um, I consider this a moral horror and I want to share with you a quote from a deputy commissioner of the city's health department, uh, Now, also Commissioner of the State Office of Addiction Services and Supports. Upon hearing the news that these facilities were opening, she popped a bottle of Veuve Clicot. It's really an amazing moment, she said in a speech captured on a video that was provided to the New York Times, to bring evidence based life saving treatment and initiatives to people who deserve it. Finally, to do that with love and respect and with dignity, I really am incredibly proud to be here at this moment. So we are now describing supplying the tools with which heroin addicts continue to uh, you know, dwell in the nether regions of their consuming addiction, publicly supported, publicly subsidized. This is referred to as life-saving as opposed to life-taking which ultimately heroin and heroin addiction is and that this is for people who deserve it meaning people who are in fact engaging in criminal behavior they're 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 to be pitied more than they are to be thought of as you know rank criminals but they are they're engaging in criminal behavior that is now being openly subsidized by the New York City government at a time when we find ourselves in a position where the the number of overdoses in the United States is of course doubled. Right. So, and when you subsidize something like the use of when the classic economic formula is, if you subsidize something, you get more of it, not less of it. So uh, people say in this, the course of this piece, you know, it's sort of, um, I can't remember who, you know, I I'm much happier to think that people are doing this in a nice clean place rather than on a staircase at a, you know, in the back of a McDonald's. Well, isn't that lovely? Come into our nice, clean place and shoot up your body with an opioid that will basically end your life either with an overdose or extremely early. Uh, The moral horror here, we are sort of journeying into this kind of, you know, dystopic Future, right now, in the present, right in front of our eyes.
3: But but notice the language that's used to justify this program: health, public health. This this overarching, we're doing this for the sake of people's health. Even though, as you, I totally agree with you, John, they're, what they're subsidizing is is a killer use of a drug that is in in most cases eventually a killer of the people who who uh, become addicted to it. There's also the fact that there's no discussion of what a heroin addiction. Heroin's expensive. What a heroin addiction does to local um, street crime, Have people who need to continue to get their fixes It's highly addictive. They need regular fixes at higher doses in order to continue to get the high that they want. What does that do in terms of subsidizing street crime, petty theft, the kind of stuff that addicts do in order to get money to get their fix? Nothing discussed about that. Um, but for me, it's the fact that this all of these overarching public health justifications are going to become the norm, particularly in, in uh, deep blue areas. Areas of the country, they're going to be used as the justification for a lot more intervention by the state that citizens uh, that, that protect people who who really aren't deserving of the kind of protection the state wants to give them. Meanwhile, the state will justify uh, not doing things like putting more cops on the street, for example, because that's also seen as, as uh, an issue of, you know, the, racism whatnot so there's a but but the public health justification you should keep your eye on that that's going to continue to be a popular way for the state to encroach and expand its power in citizens lives.
2: It's funny because I heard <clears throat> you heard public health and I heard just rank elitism um, because you know that they don't want to see this sort of thing right They don't want to, to have to encounter this when they you know walk down the street so send it off you know, somewhere else. And where does it subsidize petty street crime? Sure, but it's not going to subsidize petty street crime on on East 72nd Street where there won't be any needle exchanges. I mean, it's just the sort of thing that allows you to condescend because these people have no agency over their lives. They're helpless victims and they need your support. But also your support
1: provides them with an avenue by which they can get the heck out of your line of sight. By the way, uh, people will still continue to shoot up um, outside of the nice, clean, pretty place uh, as they do in Amsterdam. Uh, when, when you, when you create a, uh, de facto legalized hub, uh, where, you know, that, that, that draws everyone in to do this, you, you, you create a, a district that no one wants to go near. Right. And where as Noah says, that... it won't, it won't be, the, it won't be in the district of, of, of the, of the elites who want this.
3: But there is a, Also, that's exactly where the dealers will go. And the dealers are generally more dangerous in terms of enforcement (laughs) of of their turf. I will say, though, there is a movement on the progressive left, certainly in cities. I've seen it here in D.C. I know it, it to be the case in other cities like San Francisco, where There's an active attempt to put these sorts of places in the wealthy neighborhoods, a kind of see, you have to take your your knocks too. We've seen it with homeless uh, shelters. You know, there was a where neighbors who've moved into a a neighborhood uh, resist a homeless shelter being put in. Now, in some cases, I've seen in DC when it's a family shelter, i.e., no men are allowed in that shelter. The neighborhood doesn't seem to mind. It's a family. Women and children shelters have popped up in, in neighborhoods that didn't used to have them. But homeless shelters do bring, unfortunately, often bring higher crime. They bring all kinds of problems to a neighborhood that didn't exist there before. And so when people, but when when wealthy people argue against them being put, you know, they're called elite NIMBYs, they're called racists. they're called lots of things. But there is actually an effort to do just that, to put these problems front and center in front of wealthy elites. And, you know, some of these, that's actually when their values have to meet a real world challenge. And they often become extremely vocal opponents of the things they claim to hold dear.
1: As as happened when uh, uh, homeless people were put into hotels on the Upper West Side uh, last year, Look,
0: um, you know uh, anybody who reads uh, Sam Keanian's book um, Dreamland, which um, explained this, um, the dual tracks on which the opioid uh, um, epidemic occurred in the United States—one, the um, sort of the creation of these pill mills, the use of uh, the use of um, uh, uh, pre- prescribable narcotics uh, that were. That could be used essentially as heroin um, uh, and that as long as you could get a, a script you could sort of then uh, buy them legally and then sell them and it, creating this network of people who were addicted to, to synthetic heroin let's say or you know pill heroin and pill form and then this uh, black tar heroin that came up from mexico that is not expensive that is that is cheap that is the first effort to sort of create cheap or first successful effort to create cheap heroin easily easily trend uh, sort of um <clears throat> could be driven up in cars you know it's the sold in little containers um all of that and that this is one of the things the the re- the uh, the supply side version of the opioid epidemic was that not only did people you know sink into the kind of despair that made them um made this attractive to them but that there was already enormous supply both Uh, that could be legally obtained and then illegally obtained. And we're now, you know, 10, 12 years into this and we are now giving up. I mean, we are now, we are now looking at this and saying what we need to do is make the, give these people a nice comfortable place in which to do this thing that destroys their lives. It's not our business. You know, you know what, I mean, who's to say, and you know, the drug war has been so unprofitable anyway and let them, go to a place where they can shoot a needle and then so while they're while they're injecting it someone say you know what here let let me give you a pamphlet on how to get treatment um we can't have both like that's why call the war on drugs as a term is a hard it's obviously been 50 years and it's a 50-year war and it's we're losing it in the in the sense that We're giving up on we've totally given up on one front, right, which is to say that, you know, marijuana is really no longer something that we view as a as a as a dangerous uh, drug. We'll see what happens after 25 years of essentially the end of prohibition of marijuana. But we now have this circumstance in which we have the country falling into despair, uh, overdoses doubling, suicides doubling, and our response to it is going to be to provide nice, comfortable chairs in which people can kill themselves.
2: Uh, but it would be a mistake to conflate the opio- opioid epidemic with an opiate epidemic. You're talking no, about no. two very distinct substances, no, two entirely different industries.
0: No, it's not, that's, that's no, the well, genius of the, the thing of that Kinyonis's links them together are human nature. <laughs> right, no, but the genius of, of, of Kinyonis's book is that we have this epidemic, that was Yuval's point, we have this epidemic uh, in in his in his piece uh, on the Dispatch that we talked about uh, the other week. We have this epidemic of withdrawal uh, of the drugs, of withdrawal of the drugs of defeat and surrender and 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 uh, and seclusion and self um, abnegation, and that is what connects fentanyl and oxycontin and and. Uh, black tar heroin all of which are essentially the same drug i mean they're they're all they're all the same drug one is legally created with a half-life that's supposed to you know be there to counteract pain and essentially just became uh, a, a a legally obtainable substitute for heroin
2: okay my, my inner libertarian is being very triggered right now which is not to say that uh, the uh, the era of cocaine was especially lovely, or when I grew up in the 1990s, and literally every young adult male was prescribed Ritalin later Adderall, uh, an upper, in order to counter counteract the effects of being a young adult male. Um, we're not that's that's not a, a more palatable reality. It's just, it's the same no phenomenon but results... in a different manifestation.
0: Okay, the cocaine epidemic led to a murder spree, right? Led to this insane increase in crime. That then led to the crackdown on crime that ended the crime. That's what happens when you create a black market. Okay. I'm not talking about what the market is. We have this very undeniable piece of epidemiological evidence, which is that the number of overdoses in the United States have doubled since 2015. That is, there's no question about it. And that that is overdoses both using legal drugs in illegal ways off prescription and using illegal drugs in illegal ways, and you overdose and die. Um, these are either conscious acts of suicide or they are morally no different from acts of suicide and the complete, you know, self-abnegation unto, unto death. And that is a that is a reality. Like you can libertarian it out or not if you get people were getting addicted to ritalin and that wasn't that didn't kill them um this kills them and this leads oh, people uh, well, to no you can
2: absolutely overdose on uppers you can uh,
0: name me give give me the number no,
2: nick everstats theory in his very well read piece was that this is a symptom of a broader malady of course it's a symptom of a broader malady it's not the so cause the symptom but you're not treating the cause
0: Right. Well, the double double time. You're not treating the cause by making by making it more comfortable to in, get, indulge in the symptom. That's what all this is about. This is a public subsidy of a of a soul killing society killing civilization destroying behavior that well, so your city with- has
1: now decided to subsidize. What's wrong with treating symptoms? Symptoms are nasty. You you want you want to treat symptoms especially if you can especially if it's very hard to treat the the the, the malady.
2: Well, <laughs> you treat the symptoms but it's cosmetic. I mean if they, the goal is for us to again not see it go ahead. But that doesn't address the cause.
0: Right. Well, the problem is nobody knows how to address the cause. That's the crisis of drug addiction. People address it themselves. That's one of the weirdnesses of drug addiction is that is that people do stop being addicted to drugs at some point in their lives, they, they, or they die, they die from it, or they stop, Uh, including by the way, heroin, which it turns out is something that people do stop like in their forties when they, if, you know, if they, they hit bottom and they stop. But if you want to make it more and more comfortable for them not to stop, then they won't stop. We're, as I say, as I say, keep saying we're subsidizing, we're sub a society that subsidizes Self euthanasia is a society that is deeply deeply sick and that is what New York City is starting to do. So Bill de Blasio is ending his term as brilliantly and as depravedly as he began it and it's really a tribute to his genius' leadership. and I really do hope that he runs for governor and has his you know and is quashed by the boulder of Kathy Hochul. With that, we will say adieu till tomorrow. For Abe, Christina, Noah, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.